Blue Abroad podcast. I have got uh, a special guest who I was meant to have on quite for, for quite some time now. Dan, welcome, mate. You, you are that, Harry? How are we doing? Very well, my friend. Very well. It's a uh, lovely, lovely Tuesday um, afternoon here yeah. in Tel Aviv. Uh, it's a little bit late where you are, I believe. Yeah, it's just turned 10 past nine, so yeah. Mate, uh, well, I know, I, know, I know that we met um, on the Carlton Live show, sort of, kind of, but uh, tell me a little bit about you because I'm hearing an accent and uh, we're all about accents and uh, uniqueness here on Blue Abroad. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you came to be a Carlton man. Uh, well, I, I moved over here about 10 years ago now, um, met my lovely wife, um, and basically the story goes, my father-in-law said, he couldn't stand to see his lovely daughter marry a pom. So the option was, if I married her, I had to support Carlton. Um, so, yeah, fell in love Carlton that way. We used to go down to the games every weekend. Um, and, yeah, just became a massive football fan as opposed to soccer. Love it, love it. Uh, you are a soccer fan, though, at the same time? Oh, yeah, I do, I do follow a bit of the soccer every now and then. Big Rangers fan, so I keep that blue going beautiful mate beautiful well so so 10 years a carlton supporter so you've really um you've really been stitched up haven't you well he blames me for the turn so yeah, <laughs> I, I, I might be the curse so but uh, yeah it, it's been tough but enjoyable at the same time yeah well he, a classic carlton supporter will never take responsibility and will always look for excuses elsewhere so that's <laughs> the trend <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah unfortunately that is the case yeah 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 so um i mean so 10 years ago so um i mean i guess you know your favorite player i'm, I'm guessing would be someone like juddy uh juddy probably when i first started watching yeah i loved uh, a bit of the Judmeister. uh i like betts and gartlett as well when they came through I, i've always liked the aboriginals who play i like their uh flair mm-hmm. um a little bit of Cristiano Ronaldo flair. I do like that on the uh, footy field when I see it. Yeah, a little bit, um, a little bit of me, me, me action. I like it. Yeah, I, I've got to say that I've, as I've got a bit older into the football, I like people like Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. A bit might not have the talent, but they give one hundred and ten percent. And as a fan, when we're losing, it's always nice to see a player who's left his entire blood and guts on the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, really. I mean, obviously, we've had we've just had a shocking loss. And to be fair, for me, the only thing I really look for um, when we do have these bad losses is, you know, who are the you, know, you can find little little nuggets in each of these losses. And I think uh, Jack's a good example of someone who, you know, no matter what the score is, he's always trying. Um, and those are the players that you sort of, you know, you find out about players when the chips are down. And I think he's definitely one that uh, is in line with what you've just said. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think this weekend as well, I've been critical of big Harry McKay when we lose. I think he looks disinterested. The body language when he was against uh, North Melbourne, he just looked like he'd rather be somewhere else. Um, But that was something that impressed me against GWS, that every little crumb he had, he went for. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was nice to see that. Like That was one of my highlights of the weekend as well, that Hitch had three opportunities, three goals. Well, that's the thing, yeah, because uh, you're spot on. He, it, it, 
he can look one-dimensional at times, and that's not really the case with him in terms of his ability because he has this running power that we've seen. Uh, I'm not sure if that's himself managing the game or the coaches managing him. I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying there. Yeah, I, I, I just went, I went to the North game. It was depressing. Mm. Uh, there was a few times that I sat there and saw him and he'd throw his arms up and jog back. And I was kind of thinking, is that that petulant side of him that we heard about last year? But I was pleasantly surprised this weekend to see he was chasing everything down. And I think if we did get the ball in there, he could have had six or seven the way he was playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, look, let's, let's, uh, let, let's address last week. Um, oh gosh! It's, I don't know if this will take long. I was going to say, what do you, you know, what do you take out of? I mean, are you able to look at it at the macro level? You know, I listen to you know all the all the podcasts and I listen to the boys on the Carlton show and um, one of the one of the guys I can't remember his name, maybe Gecko. He was talking about you know we really it was it had all the hallmarks of a a team who has the same profile that we do with these youngsters and whatnot. Um, I think, you know, just supporters are just, you know, we just want to win now. Like it's, you know, it's when is it going to end kind of stuff. I, th- I think it was a bit like when I saw the team sheet in the morning and you try and work, I, I always, I keep a statistical database of every little stat for the last 20 years. And I use that for my gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of predict the matchups to help me with the bat. And when I was looking at the back line and I could see there was a chance Kalsbolt would go on Finlayson. Um, I did think what was good, the matchups to me didn't look like Cow and had ever seen GWS play. We'd <laughs> gone on too tall, and we know that if you watch GWS, they don't have entries inside 50 to mark. They traditionally this season have gone in with a low flat kick and run onto that kick. Um, it was something that the best defense in the league, Geelong, had difficulty with all day. Mm-hmm. And I thought Geelong set like kind of the benchmark of how you set up to play. And it was a very smaller backline than ours. And I was just thinking that Finlayson's going to destroy Casbo. And what happened? He had three goals on him in about five minutes. And that is where it annoys me as a Carlton fan. I'm not saying Bolton can't coach because I went to go and see a lot of his games at Box Hill and I was always impressed. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the few jumps up and down when we got him. Um, but I sometimes wonder, like, are we? Do we pick a twenty-two based purely on arrogance, or do we pick it for need? And I think sometimes it's like someone's got a, an idea in their head that Casbolt had a good seven minutes against um, last week in in the backline against the slowest tall forward in the history of football, Ben Reid, and thought, oh, it would be a good idea to put him in GWS's backline. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I was watching it with uh, some of the boys up here and uh, one of my good mates, Lippy, uh, he said the same thing. He said, look, you know, okay, great, well done. You've, you've stopped Ben Reid, but Ben Reid is, is, a, is a, a shell of his former self. Um, and it was, it was, the comment was, you know, let's just, let's just see how he goes next week. But, yeah, there's something about Cass Bolt that uh, obviously Bolt and, and the coaches um, – you know, must like about him. And I think any time he has a, you know, look, to be fair, it was a good performance against Ben Reid. So we'll give him that. But it seems as though it just earns him so much more brownie points than if it was, say, a, I don't know, a Matt Kennedy, you know, dominating in the VFL type thing. Do you feel that? 
100%. I mean, I think with Kaz Bolt, I'll give him... He reminds me of Sam Rowe. Mm. He's not talented, but boy, he gives you 110% wherever you play him. I'm pretty sure you could play Kaz Bolt on the ball and he would try his heart out. But we're a professional sporting team. We shouldn't pick players based on favours or effort. It should be based purely on are they right for the job? And... Casbolt filled in for what a quarter against Ben Reed and played wonderfully. Well, that's he should have got a pat on the back and said, "Look, we're against GWS this week. See you later." Mm-hmm. And I hate to be harsh, but I mean, it's McCready as well was another one. He played two games. I think he had a total of nine touches and two marks. And Goddard's finished best on four times. Yeah, I didn't get that either. I mean, I, th- I think um, I, don't, I don't know. Like we obviously. It's interesting because a lot of the conversations that I have with people, um, I sometimes get a mixed message. You know, sometimes I hear words to the effect of, you know, play the kids. We're going, you know, we're not winning. So just play them, drop Murphy, uh, drop Casbolt, play the kids. And, you know, let's give something for the future. But at the same time, we are playing so many kids. It's not funny. (laughs) There are so many kids out there. Um, and for me, these senior guys of ours, the Murphys, the Casbolts, the Simos, the Cruisers, uh, the Ed Kernos, for each for their own reason, whether it's injury or whatever, they just haven't been carrying the load enough to let these, you know, these youngsters sort of develop. I mean, you look at Collingwood, Isaac Quayner is gonna do, he's gonna debut this weekend. He hasn't got a phenomenal. He's not going to have a single ounce of pressure this week because he's got so many experienced heads around him and he's fine. Now, we've probably got six or seven players in, in his sort of age demographic who are all playing. And, and so I think, I think that's where sometimes the, the lines get blurred between, you know, play for the future but win now. Um, and especially, especially, I 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. And especially when you have, when we talk about midfielders, now we've got a lot of, you know, compared to, you know, okay, let's, let's look at the team we just played, GWS. Compared to them, we, a lot of our midfielders are so much lighter and, and you know, weaker in terms of their strength. Um, and, you know, when you, the weight of numbers just stacks up. Like, we got a little bit lucky with Collingwood because Adams didn't play and Beams didn't play. Um, now you, you're putting these these baby lambs to to play against fully grown cows. It's it can only really go one way, and uh, that, that that that's where the Kennedy discussion becomes interesting because it's like fuck his skills, just put him in there to just you know be a bit of a battering ram. Um, that's what we got him there for anyway. It's funny because I was reading an article by John Ralph, and John Ralph said that um, he'd he'd interviewed someone at Carlton, and the reason that Kennedy hasn't been selected is because they feel he's one-dimensional and he's too similar to Cripps but offers nothing else than that big body and I, I did laugh because I said that that's the Carlton is probably the only football club at the moment that could describe you like Cripps and say you're not good enough <laughs> like, that's like, all you need you, like, <laughs> like to me just stick him in there just give Cripps some time to get the ball outside to Walsh and Fisher because when we had that against the Dogs, when we managed to really get the ball outside, Fisher and Walsh just cut teams apart. Yep. They are good enough to do that. But the problem is, is they're having to drop so inside to try and find the pill mm-hmm. that they're 
small bodies are just getting absolutely massacred there. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch. And, I mean, I know it looks like they really did give up. Look, they did give up. It got too hard. So many different factors. GWS were were coming with blood in their eyes and uh, after their disappointing loss the week before. Um, And there's only so much that these young bodies can, you know, withstand. And they're, they're going to be inconsistent we look we know that and we can expect that um but we, we've just got to find a way to find a better balance between uh senior bodies and young bodies i think i think we, I, I think the balance is out of whack but I, I kind of i kind of commend bolts in a sense because he's willing to cop the the brunt of the pressure knowing he's putting all these boys into the deep end uh, he may or may not be there to see them, you know, grow up and, and you know, their, their talent come to fruition. Uh, he's sort of taken one for the team in that sense. Um, so it's just, it's just killing me at, this, at times, you know. I mean, having said that, it's not like, it's not like Kennedy or even Lang. It's not like they're so old and washed up. We got rid of those guys, you know, the Dennis Armfields, um, you know, the, the Carrazzos and, uh, you know, the, the Sam Carriages and, and the like who were, the, the Matty Wrights, they were done. Their careers were done. They were washed up. So um, it's not like we're, we've got, you know, 29, 30-year-olds in the reserves. They've still got a lot to offer. So, yeah, I, I think a moment like this and a week like this forces Bolter's hand. And I think, you know, we're going to see probably four to five changes this week. Oh, I, I think we're going to have to. But, I mean, I, I feel for Bolts because... There's a difference, I think, between having experience and then experienced winners. Mm. And Murphy and Cade Simpson, good servants of Carlton, but these guys are specialists in failure, to put yeah. it bluntly. And w- when the chips are down, and there was a stat that I was looking at the other day that we've had the same amount of quarters, obviously, played as West Coast, and we've won and lost identical. But you look at our record, We've got one win and they've got, what, six? Mm-hmm. And it's them experienced players that get you over the line in tight games. And it's the experience of winning. Now, you think Murphy hasn't won consistently, what, for, since 2010? Kid Simpson, probably the same. Mm-hmm. They've been on winning sides. Mm-hmm. So who is in that team? And then I also think we have got that experience. We've got Fasolo and we've got Darcy Lang. Mm-hmm. Two players that have played up 50 games in winning outfits. Would they make a difference? I do think the experience is there. I mean, Darcy Lang, I think he's only ever lost seven games in his 53-game career. Mm-hmm. Natural-born winner. All he knows is winning. He's played with some of the best midfielders AFL has ever produced. He's had Selwood alongside of him for his entire career. I mean, 55 games with Selwood, not a bad person to learn from. And that's the thing that when Juddy came across, that was the big uh, draw card for it. one of the big you know positives for us was, okay, we we, we literally have a culture of losing. Uh, it's systematic, and you bring a guy who's going to change standards and change behaviours. And uh, I guess we started seeing things change, um, but now I've, I, I genuinely have fears that guys like um, guys like Wienering, guys like Charlie Kerno. Guys like Crips, I mean, losing is ingrained. And that's where that's why I talk about the, the balance between just playing draft kids for the sake of playing draft kids and, and developing talent and paying us back. And, well, hang on, uh, if you build a losing culture, that does just as much damage as playing a washed-up player. I mean, you look at the NBA, for example, okay, you can tank. You can tank all you like. 
but you, you actually ingrain bad habits into the team that's playing. And that seems 100%. to be what's happening. You know, we've got... Well, I thought the GWS <clears throat> mindset failure was due to the fact that, well, we fucking lose every other week. So what's the, what's, we're not going to win this week. It was a, it, there was a clear body language that I was seeing of, fuck this. It's not going to happen today. I've got to say, I watched your um, your video and it made me laugh when you said that you had a, a bad feeling about it. Yeah. Because my, my bad feeling kicked when we kicked a goal from the first centre clearance. <laughs> because every time that happens, it, we, we seem to suddenly just go downhill. If we yes. get the first centre clearance and we score within a minute 50, you just know it's going to be a bad day. Like, I was praying that he'd miss the kick. I was like, please miss this set shot. Please <laughs> I, kick it out of bounds on the fall. I've picked up on that too. I think it happened against the Swans, and I think it happened yeah. against North Melbourne as well. It happens every time. I, I remember my wife's a massive St Kilda fan. We went down to the St Kilda game mm-hmm. um, last year, and they absolutely rolled us. It was one of the most depressing afternoons yeah. I've ever had. I remember. And I remember, I remember Jack Silvani had a set shot about 45 seconds in and scored. And that was the last time we saw anyone go inside 50 for about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> ever since then, if we kick a goal early doors, I'm always like, oh, no. Yeah. I'd rather be 30 a quarter time. I've got more faith in us. <laughs> and that, that's, that's, a, that's a stark reality, mate, because we, we can play when we're coming from behind. But, and it's happened a few times this year. We've had leads and we've just shut the bed. It's like, okay, well, now what? It, it's hard to see. I mean, I, I think for me, I'd love to see what damage the Collingwood game did to them psychologically because five minutes to go and being 18 up, that should be game over. Yeah, yeah, it should be. It should be. And, it's and, a, for me, and I watched Melbourne, mm-hmm. and they did the same. They they imploded, mm-hmm. and then they fought back like two for nail to kick a goal and a behind in forty five seconds. Yeah, and it's the difference of mentality. You could see that Melbourne were like, "Oh my god, what have we done?" And they fought two for nail in that last minute. You could see they were going to either win or die trying. Mm-hmm. And then you watch the last minute of the Carlton game against Collingwood and it was kind of like the players are looking at each other going, I can't believe this has happened again. Yeah, yeah. And it hurts. Yeah, I was... Um, oh, I mean, I was saying this earlier. I'm not sure if I said it on Carlton Live or not. No, I didn't. So... <laughs> no, I did. I did, actually. So, I've been emotional for... I've been emotional for, for ages. Oh, okay, cool. This is going to be... So it's news to you. So obviously, you know, I've been yeah. react. We've all been, you know, reacting with emotion because it was such a bad, soul-sucking loss against the Giants. But I- I'm not kidding. Like, out of all the bad losses we had last year, and there were some really, 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 really bad ones, there was always the whole, yeah, but we're stupidly young. Now we're a level. We're still young, but we're not as young as what we were last year. So to to, to play and to have that that witch's hat type performance this year. It really, really hurt. Like, it really hurt me. And I did the preview for the Saints game this morning. And I'm still mourning about the GWS game. Like, it, it's um, – it, 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 if you uh, – I've read Mick Malthouse's book a few years ago. And I know that we all have varying opinions of Mick. But he, he makes a very good point in his book. When you, when you remove hope from any individual, you actually, you actually give them nothing to, to, to strive for and live for. And – for the first time in a while, it was like, 
fuck, is this a is this a cause without an end here? Are we? Is this going to be like a Western Bulldogs premiership drought? You know, sixty something years. Like, is that really what's happening? Yeah, that was the first time that these fucking cunts hurt me so much. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. Like I, I actually described this weekend as probably the worst loss yeah. uh, in the last two years because it we looked like we were doomed to do it. Like the other games, there was always a bit of fight. Even last year, there was always a little bit. But this week, we looked just mentally and physically shot. It's hard to believe it's round nine. Yeah. This week. Because it looked like it was round 22. Yeah. And to be fair... And the faces and Crips losing his temper. Yeah. Like, you can see that toxic culture starting to fester in our great football club. You can see it. Yeah. You know it's, it's bad hard. when Crips gives up. You know it's bad when he's when he sort of says, "Oh well, fuck this." I, I don't blame him. He's a Perth boy, so he must be thinking I could be going and playing for the Eagles at the moment. Now that is when it's going to become a sixty-year premiership drought. When he decides <laughs> but, at the end of next year uh, to take up the offer to whichever club, because they'll come fucking chasing. That guy was born to play in a grand final. Oh, I'll tell you, if you, if, you were West, if you were the Eagles, you'd just forget about Tim Kelly and you'd say, yeah, Cal, what, what do you want? Yeah. And have it? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Like, because he's one of a kind. I mean, the guy lifts players up while they're being tackled. Like, it's crazy. Mm. Like, he can piggyback a player tackling him and get a handball away. I mean, the guy's a freak of nature. And it's hard to watch because he, like I keep saying it to my father-in-law, he's one of the players I've ever seen in any sport that doesn't deserve to be on a losing team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, I, like, I wouldn't blame him for giving up. Because what's the point of trying so hard when you get thumped by a hundred? Mm-hmm. It must hurt because we've all been at work, haven't we? Where we've busted our ass, and there's always that guy in the corner, feet up, texting his mates. And you get angry, don't you? Because you're like, well, I'm hauling ass and he's still getting the same wage as me. Yep. But I'm doing all the work, but how come he's getting high fives from the boss? No, it's true. And it's, it's true. And it must be going through Cripper's head. It must do. And I don't blame him if he does. But if he doesn't, he's superhuman. But it, it's hard to watch Crips. Like, you, you want to go out and give him a hug mm-hmm. <laughs> every time I see him play. What would you deserve to be? That's what would you pay to be a fly on the wall during this players-only meeting this morning? Oh, I'd remortgage the house. <laughs> um, it'd be interesting to see what was said, though. I mean, like, I'd love to know how deep do they go into it because I wasn't angry at Bolts this week. I was angry at the players yeah. because it's either things. If that's the tactic the players... I just don't for my life and me think tactically we set up to be shit. Like, I, I credit Bolton with enough intelligence not to set his team up to be shit. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I've got faith that's not the team talk. Mm-hmm. So, either there's two things either it's lost in translation, or two, the players are just literally that bad. And the other seven games we've played where we've been relatively okay of just master sense of security. Mm-hmm. It's hard to watch though. Like it's hard to fathom that only four weeks ago we rolled 
the dogs, and then a week later we were sixty up against Hawthorne. It's hard to believe it's the same universe yeah. we're living in. Well, the reason why I brought up this uh, players only meeting is for a few reasons. Well, first of all, they had it a few weeks ago after the North Melbourne loss. This players only meeting, um, and it worked. And secondly, Nick Revolt spoke this week about uh, his time in the system and towards the end uh, compared to at the start. Now, when you got honest, brutal, real brutal feedback when he started in his career, there was a stark contrast between then and when he ended. And he was actually speaking to, I think it was Tim Watson. I could be wrong. And he was saying, yeah, he was. He was speaking to Tim Watson and Gary Lyon, who had just finished their careers right when Nick Revon started. And he was saying it probably would have been even more brutal before then. So, I really would love to know, like you said, how how deep and brutal. Because I'm, if we're talking about eyeballing your teammates, if the words "weak cunt" weren't said to your teammates in this meeting this morning, you didn't do it right. Oh, there's got to be you a lot right. of them. There's, 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 I mean, I, I agreed with you when you said you couldn't give a player a rating because it. Like, I, I actually find it disgraceful they got paid for last week, to be honest. Oh, I've looked at it. I, I looked at been... the average wage. Most of those players took home $55,000 or more this week. Let that sink I'd be doing a, I'd be doing a Sir Alex Ferguson and making them donate that to charity this week. I couldn't believe and say, it. I couldn't believe it when I like... And again, very much, very rough numbers, average. The average of these boys who played took home fifty five grand last week. Are you out of your fucking mind? It's it's hard to believe they got paid for that. Like, unless it was a comedy performance, and then maybe. But like, that was it. Was really. I mean, Lockie Whitfield. I rate the guy, but he isn't that good. Like, come on, please. Like, one of my mates is a GWS fan. And he was raving about it. Whitfield's a very good player, but he isn't. That isn't forty disposals, three goals. Good. It's ridiculous. He's good. It's He's ridiculous. not that good. Like. What annoyed me as well is my fantasy in Supercoach. Some idiot had four GWS players and they scored probably more than the, rest uh, of the team. They would have taken the piss. Was, oh, I lost by 16 to someone in the Supercoach and it was literally Whitfield having 200. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was bigging up my genius of putting Lockheed Hill as captain oh, after wow. his blinder at the weekend. Wow. Wow. And Whitfield did that. Well, I was like 350 up and he had two players and look what they did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Heartbreaking. <laughs> One of the, oh, it was, just, it was a bad day all around really. But no, I mean, for me, I think I agree with you. We need to start being, I think the players need to be start being brutal. But one thing that worries me is that, you know, with soccer, Man United, I think Man United and Carlton are a really good correlation at the moment. A team with steep history and a good, good, good lineage of winning and now everything's hit the fan now yeah. it's quite nice to see at times because Man United fans are traditionally really arrogant um, yeah. but, but watching them I'm starting to notice a culture shift in Man United fans mm-hmm. and that is existing in Carlton fans that they are starting to accept mediocrity and there is a 50-50 split. There's the fans who are like, oh, back in my day, we had Cantona and he was banging in six against these mugs. And then there's the other guys who were like, oh, yeah, but it's really hard now. Like, finishing fourth's probably the best we can do. And it's starting to happen in Carlton forums now. You're starting to see people blindly defend Bolton mm. and blindly defend the players. 
And if we start doing that, that's going to rub off on the club because I think that happens at the club too much. We hear Bolton come out and it's always a positive spin on a horrible situation. Mm. Here in his press conference this week, again, he, he tries to find that positive. And for me, we need to start being honest with ourselves. And that big honest question is if anyone who's ever defended Bolton, and I've done it a lot, and I've seen his coaching methods firsthand for Box Hill and it was wonderful. What's he done that proves to anyone in the world that he can get us out of this mess? It's true. Because I really don't think he can. I, I really don't think he can. Yeah. And it hurt, breaks my heart because I'm always one to support your manager until he gets sacked. And, and I'll always support Bowen. But one thing that goes through my mind now is this team statistically is the same age as Gold Cup by average. And we actually have... You there, mate? Continue. Uh, I say, and that, that's what annoys me if Gold Coast are where they are why are we so bad because we shouldn't be yeah I just want to uh, I just want to fact check myself for a moment it wasn't $50,000 a week they're taking home it was actually 6500 on average I got the zero wrong but sorry go on that's, that, that's still a lot of money though isn't it Seven still a lot grand of fucking for... money for a week mate <laughs> I mean seven grand for doing not very much yeah, um, but I mean that's that's where I am with Bolton at the moment. I, I I find it hard to believe just hearing him talk. I don't know what he's like behind in the dressing room, but I find it hard to believe he's motivating them players the way it should be. And I think it shows in the performances. Mm-hmm. Round seven in that press conference, we had Cripps and Bolton say we promise that will never happen again. Yeah, and it happened a week later. Yeah, and. As a boss at work, and when I've bollocked staff, I always give them the four-week rule because I know for four weeks they'll be brilliant and then they slip about week five. Now, in football, it seems to be the two-week rule. The first week, they do, they do a good job. Week two, though, back to that same old 2018 Carlton. Mm-hmm. And it breaks your heart. It, mate, it does. It does, especially when you're a, you know, a lifelong supporter. I've got another uh, angle for you. I did a little exercise this week. Um, Go on, hey. I went and uh, I mean, because I mean, you know, we're talking about we've, a lot's been spoken about bolts. Quite a lot's been spoken about the players. Everyone's sort of copped it. You know, Lejudice came out. Kane Little came out. Juddy's obviously on Footy Classified. And one thing, Paul Block. Yeah, I know, I know, and he he does it really well too. Um, he does. Worst job in football, though, Juddy's got. Because oh, he's got, he's not got no choice. He has to be there every week. Wait, and he's got to sit next to Caroline, and she oh, loves it. Fucking cunt of a thing. Um, <laughs> not not because she's a woman, just because she's a shit reporter. Just put it out no, there, by I, the way. I, I, I feel you. Yeah, like, just like got to make that clear. <laughs> I, I always feel Chris Judd, when we get battered, must think, Jesus, I've got to sit next to her on Tuesday. Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> Anyway, so I went through the, you know, the better teams in the competition and I had a look at their assistant coaches who are you know, next to the, uh, the coaches at some of the best teams. So I'll, I'll read out some of the names to you. Um, <laughs> Just don't do Carlton's. And then I'll give you Carlton's and I'll see. In, in a, uh, for me, there was a real clear uh, piece of evidence there. So look at Geelong. You've got Chris Scott, premiership player, Matthew Knights, been a coach before. Shane O'Brien, Nigel Lappin, Matt Scarlett, Corey Enright. Now, I know that they're, most of them are Geelong people, but still, they're out-and-out champions. You got a Yeah, they've got experience. Yeah. 
playing playing in and mind you, these some of these people like Scarlett's obviously a specialist defensive coach, etc. Uh, then you got a Collingwood, you got Buckley, Robert Harvey, Brenton Sanderson, Justin Longmire, Tarkin Lockyer, Brad Gotch, Gary Hocking, and Matty Boyd. You got a GWS, you got Leon Cameron as the coach. He's backed up by Alan McConnell, Matthew Nix, Lenny Hayes, Amon Buchanan, Mark McVeigh, Brad Miller, Luke Kelly. Richmond, you got Dimmer Hardwick, he's got Blake Carousella next to him, Justin Lepich, Andrew McWalter, Adam Kingsley, and Craig McRae. And you look at West Coast um, from when they won a flag. They had Adam Simpson, Adrian Hickmont, Jamie Graham, uh, Sam Mitchell, and Nathan Van Burlow and Matt Rosa. Now, premiership players in every single one of those lists there. Now, you look at Carlton. Uh, Brendan Bolton, obviously, is the coach. Now, John Barker is his assistant, and he's also a stoppages coach. Which always makes me laugh as a utility for Brisbane. So he's exactly. doing stoppages. He's either in the forward 50 or the defensive 50 his entire career. Exactly. Madness. You've got Cameron Bruce uh, as a midfield coach who was a high half forward type player. You've got David Teague as another assistant who's a forward specialist. Now, he, he came over this year, very highly rated, helped set up the, uh, the forward set up at Adelaide. He was a midfielder. Uh, you've got Dale Amos as our defensive coach. Shane Watson as our defensive coach. You've got um, Brent Stanton as our midfield development coach and Jason Davenport as our forwards development coach. Uh, if you want to look at Hamish McIntosh as a ruck specialist there as well and Sav Rocker for goal kicking. Now, why the fuck would I want Brent Stanton teaching Paddy Dow how to play football? It's, <laughs> it's something that I've touched on with my mates as well. Like we, we, I love Barker. I really do rate Barker as a person. But yeah. I have, like, two reservations on Barker at times. He's applied for that job three times and been turned down. So has he got an ulterior motive? Is he committed? Would you be committed if you'd been turned down for the job every time? Mm-hmm. And two, you, you don't go to a butcher's for a gynecological appointment, do you? So why have we got a tall, key-positioned player teaching stoppages? And you'd say stoppages are our big weakness this year. Big weakness, especially last week. It just, it just um, again, and I could be completely wrong and I could be showing a complete disrespect to these guys who have played you know, at the level, even though they weren't premiership players. But I don't care. This is Carlton Football Club. I don't want fucking Brent Stett and Hamish McIntosh. These, these, these guys that they weren't even elite at what they did. What can they possibly teach elite talent in the juniors. And I think it has something to do a little bit with why we haven't seen some of these guys develop as quickly as what we would have hoped for. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but if, if uh, Sam Mitchell's working with Paddy Dow for three years, I expect him to be a lot better than what he would be had he been working with someone like Brent Stanton. I couldn't stand Brent Stanton as a player. Could not stand well, him. Yeah. I thought he was the weakest, weakest downhill skier going around. Well, you think like Sam Mitchell worked with Elliot Yeo for a year and Elliot Yeo, you wouldn't have had him in top 50 players before. Mm-hmm. Pretty good midfielder now. Like he, he's like a Sam Mitchell. He just sits off the back of the pack, spraying passes left and right. Mm-hmm. The guy's a superstar now. Like superstar. No, I, 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 think, I don't think you'd be disrespectful. I think it's a question that needs to be asked. Is the team around Bolton set up for him to succeed because at Hawthorne when he was at Box Hill he had champions left and right of him mm-hmm. and also people that he'd worked with for 
you know, many years. And a lot of the time when you bring a coach into a new club, many times he brings one, two, maybe three of his, his team. Now, Bolton has no relationship with these guys. Uh, they're all relatively new. Uh, I just would have thought, I just would have thought a young coach like Bolton has a lot more experience around him. And, and that's why, you know, obviously he had Neil Craig at the beginning and that was great. Uh, obviously Neil Craig left last year and we've now re- sort of replaced Neil Craig with, uh, you know, a bit of an experienced mind in, in Robert Walls. But it's something that we've got to look at at the end of the year. The team around Bolts, is, it's, it's uh, just looking at it now. And a lot of them have been on the list for a couple of years now. It's not working for me. I, I I think 100% agree with you. I mean, for me, I always thought when we went into a rebuild and being a Rangers fan, I don't know how much you know about the Scottish Football League, but about five, six, seven years ago, we got busted for cheating and we got relegated to the bottom tier. So we had to rebuild like Carlton did. Massively rebuild. We lost all of our star players because they weren't going to come and play amateur soccer. Um, and we stuck with an experienced coach who knew the culture at Rangers, which was Ali McCoist. And we then started, once we had the foundations in place, started taking chances with young managers. So we've got Stephen Gerrard there now in his first gig. And for me, I thought that's what and should have done in the first place. Like, do we trust a rebuild with someone who's never coached at AFL level, not even played it? Mm-hmm. A huge call. Huge call. Yeah. And, it is a massive call. And I used this analogy and got shot down the other week in a forum, but I said it's the year four of the rebuild and we were told it was going to be five years. So next year, you'd say we'd have to be in and around the eight to be successful. Have to be. Have to be. Have well, to be. You look at the first year Bolton was in charge, we won seven games. So let's use the five-year analogy as a house and we'll give it five months for a year. So the first month they built the foundations. Foundations look splendid, right? Year two, they've got the all the wooden str- struts up. You're starting to see a house shape. Now, year four, we've still got them struts. We've still got them struts. We haven't got a roof. We haven't got walls. We've just got literally the template of a house. You'd be going mental mm. if you were the owner. If this was my house that I'm standing in now, and if I'd come back month five when they said, oh, we're going to give you the keys and you can move in with your family, Dan, and they just literally had the carpenter there and nothing had changed in three months, I'd be going mental now. Yeah, it's crazy. And it is answers, crazy. And that's the thing. Well, the answers we keep getting is we are on track. Now, I wouldn't mm. accept the builder saying that to me, going, oh, don't worry, Dan, by June, mate, you'll be sleeping in this. But I'd be like, well, your words are true. Nothing. I need to see something. Uh, it's true. It's true. We are, we have the same record as what we did last year. Well, and the percentage is eleven difference. So that's what three, four goal loss, which will probably Saint Kilda will probably put us to where we were last year. And it hurts. Yeah, it hurts, Terry. Yeah. Like, it hurts because I I want to support Bolton and I love Carlton. Like, don't get me wrong, but to me, is it wrong for fans in the forums to be saying we want success? It's, yeah. it's been like this for 10 years. I think there's also a fear of, um, going back to your point about backing in bolts, I think there's a fear in this being the wrong um, move for the club again and, you know, people having to come to terms with, okay, we fucked up by getting Malthouse um, and then we were so sure that we did this big 
um, you know, researching project to get Bolton in. And we did this big, you know, process to get him in. I think there's a big fear of coming to terms with that now being the wrong move, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'd, we'd lose memberships through the roof if, if we had to come to terms with that. It was a big, it was a big bold call. And I tell you, it was, I don't think you can critique them for choosing Bolton. If, if Bolton does go, which, I mean, I reckon he'll, he'll be gone by the bye. I, I really do. I stand by that. I think if, I think the board will be honest with themselves and by the bye, if we have two of them, I think it'll be Sayonara. Yeah. I really do. And it has yeah. to be. And, I, and from being in the media for so long, I kind of learned to read what chairmen say. And mm-hmm. uh, when you've got your bosses like Judd and um, you've got Liddell and they use words like, I can't guarantee he'll be here, but we back him in. That's not a clear affirmation of your job. Because no, it's not. The media never know a manager is going to be sat until it happens because it's mm. a bit like anyone at work. Your boss can't go and tell everyone you're going to get fired before you know. It's yeah, like that's true. Issue. So for me, it, it can't keep going this way. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope Bolton comes out and we batter St. Kilda and we batter Essendon and we batter the Dogs in Brisbane and we're four wins from four at the bye. But I just, I, I really can't for the life of me see it. No, no, neither can I. I, I can see this is being really hopeful, two of the next four. Um, <laughs> this is, that's being really hopeful. I mean, I've had people say we need to win three or four of them all. Well, that, that's just not happening. I just think St. Kilda are the antichrist of Carlton. So we watch a lot of St. Kilda in this house, with it being my wife's team and my eldest's. And mm-hmm. when you watch that team, they are the antichrist of Carlton because they don't go away. They fight till the final, final siren. And mm-hmm. they are like literally a team that I'd be scared of because we're never going to get that 20 minutes of them switching off. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when the chairman at St. Kilda said, we're going to make the eight because we're the fittest team in the comp and we'll run everyone into the ground. And I burst out mm-hmm. laughing and said to my wife, enjoy your wooden spoon. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, he, he was spot on because that team yeah. runs, man. And mm-hmm. then at Essendon, it's, it's heavily documented we have a winning record. Do you think they're in their dressing room now saying, let's let Carlton are the worst side ever formulated in the last decade? Do you want to be losing mm. them? They're going to be motivated. And Brisbane, I give us a chance. It's at the Marvel, similar dimensions to the Gabba, and they seem to play well at the Marvel. And the dogs, I just can't see the dogs wanting to lose to us again. No, no, that's the thing. There's going to be a different motivation. They'll turn up to play against us. There's no doubt about that. Oh, if you were beverage, the team talk's easy, isn't it? They've just got rolled by nearly 100 to GWS. Do you want to lose to them idiots? Yeah. <laughs> and they won't. I mean, McRae's hitting form now. Bontepelli's hitting form. It's going to be a different game this time. And when, we'll, yeah. and when you know what's going to happen with the Carlton team selection, we'll bring Lockie. He has to sleep with a light on O'Brien into the side. Mm. Going up against McRae and Bontepelli. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I mean, Lockie O'Brien coming into the team this week made me laugh. But... 
I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's a hidden sex tape going around of someone high up at Carlton and Lockie O'Brien has the copy. He must have a copy, mate. He must. Because he needs to spread it round to Kennedy as well. Get him in the team. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a like I was saying to someone the other day about Lockie O'Brien, there was only four teams interested in him in that draft. And he was predicted to go pick 29. Why the hell did Carlton pick him? Yeah, we must have seen some sort of Andrew Gaff type player in him. He's, he's a long way off it. He's a long way off it. But his draft profile said that he was a miniature Bob Murphy. I mean, mm. that I can't think of anything more grey to be described. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that would put me off straight away. I mean, like, I'm just reading his draft profile now. Elite runner and elite endurance, but it says nothing about his foot. It says he's got an okay left foot. Hardly a top 20 pick, that, is it? No, no. I'd, I'd love... Uh, Higgins. I'd love to know... Yeah, I'd love to re- re- um, revisit that and see what the theory was behind picking him, Yeah. But I just think we wanted someone who had outside run at the time. That's the yeah. I think of 2017. Did we didn't really have it? I think he played with Paddy Dow too. There could be something in in the uh, country, so there could be some sort of connection there. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but not really a flight risk when you're from Victoria, is it? Like, yeah, that's right. I'd understand if he was South Australian or Northern Territories or something like that, picking someone he knows and be familiar with, but. It's his family are only down the road. Mm. It's, it's a weird one. I mean, we, you, you dice, you're always an expert after the event. Yeah, that's uh, right. I always think at the moment, Carlton need Winston Churchill. And at the moment, we've got Neville Chamberlain. And we saw how that happened during the war. And he reminds me a lot of Neville Chamberlain Bolton telling us everything's going to be all right. Just stick with the program, stick with the journey. But... Unfortunately, the AFL is a big, bad, dark place, and it's not going to be all right. We need to start. No, you're not wrong. We need to start winning. Simple as. Absolutely, Dan, Maze. I need to head off. Unfortunately, I'd love to continue. Oh, it's a pleasure, uh, Terry. Pleasure. Great to have you on. You are most welcome on any time. And uh, as I said, oh well, yeah, you went on car tonight. I'm coming home. Um, today uh, I leave on, on Thursday I'm going to Shanghai for 10 days and spend uh, a couple of weeks there to help organise the, uh, the AFL China game there and then from there I'll be uh, which consequently means I'm going to be missing the Carlton Essendon game which is a fucking dis- disaster for me um, and so but I'll be back for the, the game against the Lions and I'll be back to see out the season so let's catch up for a beer for sure oh definitely and, uh, go and watch the lions and uh hopefully cheer us on to victory yep absolutely mate take care of yourself you and thanks again for coming on cheers buddy thank you